So we're going to go to a scripture that um, I think you should read regularly. And it's Hebrews 11, verse 30 to 40. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. They built in Jericho these fortified walls, and they could race chariots, they say, on them. They were so wide. And God gets them to walk around for seven days. Then on the seventh day, seven times, right? Is that right? If I remember correctly. And seven times, and then they shout, and the walls come down. Come on. What were they shouting? Victory. They're making a declaration of faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine what the religious people would do with that one. The prostitute gets used by God, but she believed, and that changed her life and her families. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Lay hold on this tonight, family, who through faith subdued kingdoms, we looked at last night about what, how we can change our country. Look, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. It's in the Bible. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. You still want to go on the roller coaster? Come on. I'm going. I'm staying there. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. How's that? So people wrote them off as idiots. But the Bible says, and we'll see all of these people, because the Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect, apart from us. You see, 
God's ways are so amazing. I mean, after all they went through, they never received the promise. It was kept for this, the last 2,000 years. But they, they kept believing in faith. They never quit. So we closed off last night with God's omniscience has tempered the working of our faith by love. And that's where I'd like to launch from tonight again. Because faith always, please remember this, because this faith that I hear often, present company excluded, but the faith that I hear, especially when I travel, is so often misdirected. The faith of God demonstrates a benevolence to people. That's what it does. Faith is given to us to believe God and to be benevolent to people. In other words, we're going to help people before we help ourselves. That's what God does. That's, that's how it works. And when we help people, we're not expecting anything in return. So that will realign the faith that we've been taught quite significantly. Do you understand? You understand, I don't preach here for money. I don't need to be in the pulpit. I'm not being arrogant. I'm trying to show you something. I do this because God asked me to do it. And so because of his love for me, that's what motivates me. And whatever blessing comes, well, great. But I'm not pursuing blessing. I know it's part of the package of serving God. But it's not my motivation. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with saying, you need to build your faith if you want to trust God. There's nothing wrong with believing God for health, for a house, for a car. That's not what we're saying. But it shouldn't be the primary motive. Are you with me? You use your faith to serve God and look to people, to help people, whatever way that is, whether it's sharing the gospel or whatever the case may be. You know, wait till you have a business, if you ever have a business one day, and God tells you how to reward the people, whether you think they're worth it or not. Be careful, Christian businessmen with tithers in your, in your business, because your increases have to go up. <laughs> I thought I'd just warn you, if you didn't know that. Amen. I'm not saying any more than that. You play with that yourself. So, look at this. The tempering. To temper our faith with love. If you know anything about when steel is tempered, it's done by fire. And its purpose is consistency and resilience. That's why they temper steel. Is that right? Come on, you know that. They put it through fire. Well, God uses love as a type of fire on us. Think about that. 
God says, forgive. Oh, I'm not forgiving this one. I've forgiven 10 times now. This one, kill him. <laughs> Come on. The disciples were there. Bring down fire, burn them up. That's what they said. Great disciples. Come on. And so our faith, when we walk in love, that's what tempers our faith to bring it to a place of consistency and resilience irrespective of what people have done to you, what they have said to you. The reason I believe the Holy Ghost is on about people is because people destroy other people's visions because those other peoples allow them to destroy their vision. Many have tried to discourage me. I've got a rhino skin. Do you understand? Because from a very early stage, God started to talk to me about love. I probably spend a lot, and I wouldn't say all the time, but a lot of time, not probably, I spend a lot of time meditating on scriptures of love. Because I understand just some basic things about how the kingdom works and what the enemy tries to do. So that's what you need to see. So when you walk by love, resistance comes. It comes from the enemy. Okay? And so that's why our faith, walking in love, our faith is tempered by walking in love. It's not an emotion. It's an act of your will. You make a decision. I will not pick up this offense. I will not do what they want me to do. They want you to respond. That's what the devil wants. That's why he keeps poking the bear. Because mm. mm. he wants the bear to respond. See, if you understand that we are dead in Christ, then we understand we don't have to protect a reputation. Now, it doesn't do the ego any good if you've got an ego. If you have an ego, you're not dead enough. I'm talking physically. Can you hear what I'm saying? You know, if we live in the carnal nature, then everything upsets us. The sun came up too late. Why are there clouds in the sky? I was going to the beach today. What's wrong with this weather? Everything is a problem when you live in the carnal realm of the flesh. And so what God does through awakening, through revival, is he realigns us to live as the king lived on the earth. He never moaned. And you notice everything the king needed, he got. And then he left the message to us and said, take no thought of what you'll eat, wear, or whatever, because your father knows you have need of these things. That's where our faith needs to be. Then we'll spend the bulk of our faith on serving God not life. Yeah. 
See, life is in Christ. Do you understand where we're going with this? Life is in Christ. So when God says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow, he's talking no toil. That doesn't mean we don't work. It means we don't have anxiety. We're not sweating. Are we going to make it? Are we going to make the end of the month? We shouldn't be living there. I was, we joked, I don't know, I think it was this week, hey, Joshua in the green room said something about payday. I said, I don't know when last I thought about payday. I don't think about payday. It's not important to me. Why? Because God's brought me out of that mindset. I'm not in that mindset. I'm not being arrogant. You need to hear me. I don't think about my paycheck. I don't even look at it. I just keep living. If God says, buy it, I buy it. If he says, don't buy it, I don't buy it. I don't live from paycheck to paycheck. Can you see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to show you a principle of the kingdom. How can I be watching every paycheck? And don't get into condemnation if you're squeezing every paycheck store. Just believe God that you get beyond that. You must get beyond that. Because he said, take no thought of what you will eat, what you will wear. I've learned, don't go out on the end of the month. Because the entire Belito does that. Go out for the other three weeks. But stay at home at the month end. Because they interfere with me with their noise. Are you with me? Come on. The Lord said I should live in peace and dignity. I don't want to hear some drunk shouting in my ear. I love him, but I don't have to listen to him all night. So faith without works is not called faith. It's something else, but it's not faith. And let me encourage us tonight that dead faith is worse than no faith. Kenneth E. Hagen made a statement. He said, I would rather deal with a sinner than a believer of many years that has no faith because they don't want to believe anything. Think about that. I mean, people go to war over healing. And they believe it. Come on. It's believers that say, so why wasn't he healed? Are you God? Whether he died, I'm still going to believe in healing. It's not my business. My business is to believe. I did what I believed. God didn't say to me, and if it doesn't work, don't believe it. Are you with me? So we allow faith to be battered and destroyed in our lives because we try and do faith through our intellect, which is called mental ascent. That's not faith. Your faith doesn't work in your head. It works in your heart. There are many times when I've done things that my mind is screaming at me, don't do this. And my spirit man is at peace saying, go boy. 
And that's the one I go for. I like that lot. <laughs> Come on. Watch this. Matthew 8, 26. I'm trying to hurry up here. Matthew 8, 26. And Matthew 14, 31. Let's go there quickly. Once you see something here. Matthew 8. You know, let me tell you this. I don't know why the Holy Ghost is quickening this. Maybe it's for somebody. Um, many years ago, when I came out of uh, the corporate world, when I resigned, and I didn't even have a job to go to. I'm not telling you to do that. Um, but God sorted it. Okay? I knew I'd heard from God. I had scripture. But... Um, Sometime after that had happened, that transition, I was sitting in the church office praying. And I said to the Lord, I, I said, you know, Lord, it's actually dawned on me. This is like seriously a privilege that I'm getting this. This is what he said to me after, you know, I was very thankful to him. And I was probably carrying on a bit long about it. And so he interjected and he said, you're sitting here because of your obedience to me, not because of what I did. Did you hear me? Because he spoke, I responded, I got the benefit of the harvest. That's what he was saying. Of course he was involved, but what he was trying to say was, because of your obedience, you are where you are. It's a great responsibility when you think it in your mind. And that's why it's important faith without works is not faith at all. And so we go to Matthew 8, verse 26, and we look at Jesus make a statement. But he said to them, this is when the waves, the wind and the waves are are in the boat and they're about to drown. And he says to them, now remember we spoke about the measure last night, right? Now we're going to the first kind of faith. Bicky faith, little faith. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? I want you to see this was his disciples. Okay, let's go to verse chapter 14, 31. Oh my goodness, we're back on the water. Look here. Same thing. Matthew 14, 31. The storm. Peter takes, gets taken back to the boat by Jesus. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay? So think about this now. One, the boat was sinking. You in the boat. Where's the fisherman? Is he out tonight? There he is. Ask him what it's like when the boat's full. Not a fish of water. Not a nice place, right? Not a nice place. The Lord doesn't even flinch. 
He says, you have little faith. You see, go into the word and meditate on the words of Jesus. Here, Peter's walking on the water, which is defying the law of gravity. And again, when the hurricane, if you read in another translation, the Bible says of a hurricane proportion, this wasn't a little breeze, northeaster coming through breeze. This was of hurricane proportion. He looks at this, he's a fisherman. He knows what that water means when it looks like that. And Jesus says to him, you have little faith. Looks right past the circumstances in both instances. And so what he's actually saying here, so he's saying, take control of weather. Come on. Come on. Take control of the weather. We've just come out of floods. I screamed at the clouds. And it would stop and start again. So I'd shout again because I had the authority. And I'd tell the devil, you'll never wear me down because I'm talking from my spirit, not my head. My head will get tired, but not my spirit. Because my spirit never sleeps. Do you understand that? So the more you live out of your spirit, the less tired you'll become. You can't refresh yourself spiritually by sleeping. You need to refresh yourself spiritually by being in the Word until your eyes don't sleep. Now, the Bible does say, have sleep. Okay, so don't misunderstand that statement. You just understand. When I remember in the early days when um, we, I would get up at five. I'm not, a, I'm not a good early riser. I've done my red eye flights. I don't like it, period. I'll, I'll, I'll book another flight four days later to leave at 11. <laughs> I do not like getting up to catch airplanes or go somewhere early, early. And um, I was praying, and I got up at five, and, and I was praying. And I came out of the prayer room, and um, my wife said to me, so how did the prayer go? How did your prayer time go? I said, great. She says, well, why have you got marks on the side of your face? <laughs> and then I learned, five o'clock doesn't do it for me. If it works for you, do it. There was an indentation clear from the carpet. <laughs> so I must have had a good dose. <laughs> I mean, I've heard it all in Bible school. We'll stand up and pray and, you know, stand over a toilet and pray because people say, I just can't stay awake. <laughs> But you wouldn't be the first. Peter was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. But you can overcome it because the Lord said so. Amen? Amen. So when he was saying here, when he was saying little faith, what it simply meant, this is, this is what it literally means, little faith. It means 
not having confidence in Jesus. See, so when I say to you, if I say to you, little faith, that's how they read it. I've heard it preached this way. Oh, you have little faith. He didn't say it like that. He said to them, oh, you have little faith. In other words, do you not have confidence in me in this circumstance? Notice, he hadn't gone to the cross yet, but he was asking them, where's their faith, even though they were still under the law. So people who think the law was, faith was not part of the law, wrong. Even the circumcised are to have faith. You do know that. Okay? It's not about the law. The law's been fulfilled. But Abraham had faith before the law. And the circumcision came as a sign of his faith with covenant with God because of faith. Can you see? So we're never going to get away from this. But it's interesting that the Lord was saying to them, you have the faith and authority, even though he hadn't gone to heaven yet, to command it now while I'm on the earth. So under the old covenant, they could still do it. Come on, come on. Look at this, 1 Peter 1. This, this should, so let me just say, believers respond in a similar way when they faced with that adversity. They cry out to the Lord, but not in faith. Are you with me? God can't help you crying, feeling sorry for yourself. He loves us, but that doesn't help. He needs us to stay in faith. He's not saying there's not a difficulty. He's not saying that it's not real. He's saying, I can only solve the problem if you stay in faith for you. Because remember, all authority has been given to Jesus, and now... He said in Matthew, in Mark, he gave us that authority. So we now have to enforce that. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, verse, um, 1, Peter 1, verse 7 to 9. I think I'm going to end here. One Peter 1, verse 7 to 9 that the genuineness of your faith, listen to the word of God, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. How do you pur purify gold? Fire. Many may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's no mention here about success. It's talking about when Jesus appears that it may be found, our faith 
to the praise, the honor, and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why we were given faith. So we can believe God. So we can believe his word. And everything it's given to us. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Come on, believers. What is he talking about? The roller coaster. There it is. The roller coaster of salvation. Receiving, I don't want to belittle the salvation. It is extremely holy and important. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Not your car. Not your big house. Not your position. Receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your soul because therein lies all the love and promises of God and in there is all the provision, etc., etc., etc. I don't have to go through that again. Now watch this. The Bible refers to the genuineness of your faith. And that genuineness is tested by fire, adversity. But your faith will not allow you to stay there in the adversity. You'll come out. See, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. Amen. So faith understands temptation. Faith will not allow carnal appetites to be satisfied. If you have a lust problem, you better use your faith to get out of it. Come on. No, that's a bit too blunt. No. The carnal man destroys believers. We're in a revival meeting. The whole purpose of the Word of God is its delivering power and then the life in abundance. So don't condemn yourself if there's temptation, but use your faith to get out of it. If you're going to feed your eyes with pornography, lust will intensify a thousandfold. Don't allow it to be part of your life. Begin, I know we're down to where the carpet meets the road now. But you see, this is where your faith should be walking and talking. How come men and women fall in adultery. It didn't start but by a seed of doubt. 
Doubt about what? The purity of God. Because you will never violate your marriage vow with the king if you love him. If you really love him, you will not violate that oath. That's why he says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Can you see, family? So, you know, God in his wisdom, in all that he is, you know, Joshua read that scripture last night. Well, I think it was Joshua. I go through so much scripture. I think it was him that read it about the wisdom. Was it you that read it last night? Yeah. What was it about again? Come on. What a beautiful scripture. To the one who pleases him. How do you please him? How do you please him? Thank you. What does he do when you please him? He gives you wisdom and knowledge. How not to fall into sin. And how to live a life of fullness in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. 